Welcome to Valley Community Church. Our Sunday sermons are available online to help you grow in your Christian faith. Our messages are practical and applicable truths from the Bible for today's life challenges. And now, Senior Pastor David Schmaltz. I want to talk about vision. And uh, remember last week I talked about you can't really go where you can't see. And we're going to talk about that in particular and how we can build that uh, using the Bible, using the Scripture, using our relationship with God in order to find what it is that God has called us to do. So in uh, the Scripture it says here, where there is no revelation, people cast off restraint. But blessed is the one who heeds wisdom's instruction. Remember the King James Version says that uh, people will perish as a result of not having vision. Last week we talked about the importance of both of those translations giving us a really good, broad vision of what it is that God is trying to speak to us here. And we talked about how revelation is important. Revelation. And that is that wisdom, that word that comes from God has that prophetic element. And it's designed for each one of us. It's very specific. So last week we learned that lacking a vision for our lives, it diminishes us. We cast off the discipline that it takes to become like Christ, which is ultimately every Christian's goal. Okay? That's what we're called to. When we give our life to Christ is to become like him in all of the joys and all the peace and the power and the connection with the Father that that brings. We learned that we could discover this vision in two simple ways. By learning, number one, what God has spoken to his people in the past. Okay? We talked about the importance of the word of God and having that as a regular part of our, um, our feeding time. We feed our bodies. We need to feed our spirit. We need to speak, feed it with the word of God and be, be familiar what, what, with not only what specifically it says, but what is the whole purpose of the Bible. Okay? And number two, we talked about what, what God is speaking or what we need to learn. What is it that God is speaking to us right now? What's our specific vision? One, we could actually kind of um, look at it this way, that we're farsighted and we're nearsighted. Okay? We need to have a farsighted vision that is the Scripture. And really what we find often is that we all share the same one. We all share the same vision together as the family of God. And then to be nearsighted to be able to see what specifically God has placed in front of us. And we're going to break that down today, okay? Uh, I'm sorry, rather, we're going to break uh, the, the first one down uh, for us today. So let's focus on what God's vision is for his people in the past. I want to look at, you know, a couple of uh, folks in the Scripture. Number one, I want to talk about Joseph here for a second. You know, he was a young boy when God plunged into his life with a set of dreams that began a very tumultuous journey. You're familiar with the story. It's classic. It's an awesome story, one that we've told our children, and, but it's one of those child stories and Bible stories that, that you can dig in really for the rest of your life to find just layer after layer of prophetic meaning, both one that we can take into our lives individually, but also for the church. Uh, you can see the whole picture of the kingdom of God taking place in this journey, which is amazing. He like so many people, did not know what to make of God's call in his life. You remember in the story, he's just a boy when he has these dreams. And they come to him, he gets two of them in particular, one that is in reference to his brothers and his relationship to them and ruling over them, and then one even to the son 
uh, I'm sorry, the moon and the stars, which w- represented his mom and dad, and, and uh, he didn't know what to do. First thing he did, of course, was to tell them. You know, He told everyone about it. And so by doing, he alienated everyone in his family. And uh, he then was cast into a hole. He was sold into slavery. He was wrongly accused. He was thrown into prison before seeing any of his wondrous visions ever come to pass. Now, that's tough. That's a tough journey. And matter of fact, it's one of those, I think, that God puts in the Bible specifically, you know, one of our temptations is to think, well, how cruel. But one of the things that I I really see is that uh, it was designed by God. And so let's, we ask that question, why did God do this to this poor young man? Why did he do this to this boy? Well, I've got a couple of answers for you in relationship to vision so that we understand it. Number one, that God often uses a life of pain and struggle caused by this fallen world to exemplify his redemptive heart and his purpose. Okay? God often uses the things in our life. That's, that's the raw material that he is going to use to be able to show forth his glory, his redemptive plan. Now you say, well, then why does that even have to happen? Why can't he just show his redemptive plan through us? Well, as I wrote here, we live in a fallen world, okay? There's sin all around us. And to live in this world, there is also this, I guess they'd call it the law of the, the second law of thermodynamics. Everything goes from a, a, a place of order to disorder. Where do you think that came from? Okay, it came from the fall. It came from what took place in the garden. And we all live in this earth and we are in, we're on two different pathways. We've got the pathway of the kingdom of God where, we're, where God is going to one day redeem this whole thing. But we also live still on this fallen earth. I'd like to even go on to say that, you know what? I think this, that whole situation with Joseph would have happened even if he hadn't shared the dream. Now, think about that just for a moment. Because I've heard preachers, you know, they talk about it. And I believe this. And actually, I've preached it myself for many, many years. That, that Joseph got what he got because of his pride. And I'm thinking to myself, mm, no, I don't think so. I think that God wanted to deal with his pride in the end, but I think that this was going to happen to Joseph anyway. It was going to happen anyway. And I wrote down in the notes here, that darn colored coat. <laughs> because there was somebody else a part of that problem. Who was it? It was dad. Oh, dad's showing a little favoritism. I, don't, I think Joseph could have been quiet as a mouse, and those brothers still hated him. Because you know what? Where you're born, when you're born, how you're born, what color you're born, all of those things come from the hand of God. And whatever path that you're dropped into, you can look up to God and say, I don't like it, but it's the one you got. And all along that journey, I'm sure Joseph could have looked up to heaven and said, why was I born this way? Why was I born? Why, 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 why? What's make, what makes Joseph to me so, such a wonderful guy? I can't wait to meet him. You know, you get to meet him. Isn't that cool? You get to meet this guy. And uh, but what I like about him so much is the fact that he held on to that dream. He held on to it. He had so many opportunities to bail on it, but he didn't. And that, I think, is so very, very key when we think in terms of developing our own life vision 
We're looking into Scripture. What is God trying to tell us with this story? That God is going to use our pain and our struggle in order to bring forth a redemptive plan. See, we're already born into this world and broken, full of sin. He redeems our life, but that redemption just doesn't stop when you say, Jesus, come into my heart and be my Savior. It doesn't just stop there. We live a life of redemption. God taking which is, deserves to be cast off, thrown into the refuse pile, but then brought back to its original purpose, that's redemption, and then showing that. So we got this life that we're living in and, and these circumstances that we're living in. We have opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to grab and, and to look into the Scripture, and we look at that and say, Joseph's story is my story. Okay, that's important for you, you and I to get because that's why it's in the book. It's there so that we will look at it and say, wow, Joseph, of course, you know, now we know he went on to be the second most powerful leader probably in the civilized world at that time. But that was all for a purpose. And we're encouraged in Scripture to say, man, who are we? Man, if they only had a glimpse of what heaven was going to be like, we have the full revelation in Jesus Christ. We may not be the second most powerful rulers on this planet, but I'll tell you what, in Jesus' name, uh-oh, we can do some pretty doggone good stuff. And, and, and in many ways, even more powerful than what Joseph could have ever done. Okay? Something important, important to get. Now, this whole idea of God using our lives is right here in the New Testament in Romans chapter 8, verse 28, and it says this, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. My whole message is in that one verse. That God is going to work for the good of those who love him. Now look, if you don't love God, you don't get that plan. Okay, we learned that last week about delighting ourselves in the Lord and he will give us what? The desires of our heart. But one qualifies the other. If you want the desires of your heart, what do you have to do? Delight yourself in the Lord. And here we find it again, that God works out all things for the good of those who what? Love him. And that means the good, the bad, and the ugly. That means every part of your life, God wants to use and to weave it together to make something that can hold and contain the glory of God to redeem this world, that you will be a part of the redemptive plan. See, Joseph, I want to go back to Joseph real quickly here, because Joseph probably didn't, at the age of 12, or how old he was, had no clue why he was getting these dreams. I mean, initially, it was just like, well, I'm just going to be over them. I don't know why. I have no reason to know why. At the very end, when his brothers are standing in front of him, dying, of course, of starvation, and they need to get some grain, this guy, for the last 14 years, has been very busy being a Messiah to the world. Been very busy being a type of Christ because he got another, well, it wasn't his vision, the, the, the uh, Pharaoh got a dream and he interpreted the dream and then had the wisdom from God in order to take those seven years of, of plenty and save, save, save. So that the, when the seven years of darkness and drought came, they would have enough. Not only did they have enough for their kingdom, Egypt, 
they had enough for the rest of the world. So those who would come, a lot of historical things took place, place there, by the way, that we won't get into, but it's, it's amazing. It changed really the course of political history. The Joseph man, that guy, was amazing. Egypt was changed forever as a result of what took place there. That, that's the point. But So they come, and they're standing in front of Joseph, who then recognizes who they are. They don't know who he is, but then, boom, it hits them. For this reason. That's why I went through all this mess. That's why I sat in that stinky prison. That's why I felt alone and cut off from my family. That's why this has all happened to me. Now, see, you can look at those parts of your life and you can see them as being non sequitur, having no connection to your purpose. And you will be lost in the wilderness, my friend. But if you embrace those difficulties, those things that you used to say, this was, I didn't do this to myself. I mean, how many times did Joseph say that? I didn't do this. I didn't do this. I'm a good kid. I mean, how much more do you feel badly for Joseph when he didn't bring any of this upon himself? And yet when we look in our own lives, how much do we bring upon ourselves? And God says, I will even use that. I will even use the stuff you do as a mistake for my glory if you delight yourself in the Lord. If you will love God and you will pursue him. See, this is where it ties together. The second part of that verse was, who have been called according to his purpose. Called according to his purpose. He will make it all good if you connect to your purpose. So there it is. All there, black and white, speaking to us, asking, begging, calling out to us to get our handle, I mean, our hand on it and let it pull us along into the power of God into the ways of God, into his purpose, his purpose. You know, those doing his purpose will experience his goodness through any and all circumstances. That's what I call just a a backwards interpretation of that verse. Those doing his purpose will experience his goodness through any and all circumstances. There's one qualifier, just one, that we love him, that we love him that we pursue him, that we connect with him on a daily basis. Now, and even then, you know, you don't want, you're not going to have a level meter that, you know, oh man, I'm getting kind of low on the love, you know. No. But to say, God, I mean, when you're in, in worship here, that you're not work, looking at your watch saying, man, when is this thing going to be done? That when you wake up in the morning, the last time the name of Jesus was out in your mouth was three months ago. No, 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 we've got to keep this thing flowing. We've got to connect to him. We've got to love him. Because the, all, so what we're trying to do here is see is that if there is a sense of, of, of lostness in your life, if there is a sense of disconnect in your life, if you feel like you're floundering in your marriage, floundering in your individual life, I guarantee you as a Christian, it's because you're not connected to your purpose through God. And so what we're trying to, what we're trying to simply do here is to get reconnected to that. And what we're doing is we're looking at the Old Testament right now, finding a story that shows it. God's saying, look, 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 this is is what I do. I've done it before, and I'm going to do it in your life. Number two from from our story, 
God, in his love, gave Joseph a dream to help sustain him through what undoubtedly was going to happen to, anyway, to him anyways. And I wrote that, you know, his darn, that darn multicolored coat. So God gave him a dream, and that, I feel like, was the gift from God. And that is the very gift that God wants to give each and one of, every one of us. And, of course, we're going to get into that next week, specific, the specific side of it. But what we're wanting to see is that in the Old Testament, this is what God does. This is what God did. And that's what he wants to do for his people. And you say, well, that was just Joseph. Well, look at Abraham. Vision from God. Look at Isaac. Same vision. Jacob, many visions and dreams. Moses, right? Uh, well, Jacob, I'm, I'm sorry, Joseph first, then, then Moses, then Joshua, then Gideon, and then Samuel, and then eventually David, all having a vision from God, all having a purpose that came with that vision, all of them experienced difficulties in their lives, God using those difficulties in order to bring forth his redemptive purpose, and all of them having that moment where they get it. See, this vision or dream sustained Joseph. It held him fast through the darkest of times in his life. And we see how important it is to have vision right there. What did it say in the King James? Without vision, people do what? They perish. Joseph had a vision. Isn't this cool? Can you see it? Joseph had a vision. He had a dream, and it held him when he sat in that prison cell, and a rat ran across his feet. And him waking up in the middle of the night, crying out because he, he had a dream of being with his daddy and with his brothers and eating the cooked lamb and having the time where they were together as a family and waking up only to realize it's all gone. It's not there. He'll never do that again. And in that moment, holding on to it and to say, God, I remember that dream. You said that I was going to do something special. When is that going to happen, God? When? God take, I mean, I'm sorry, Joseph taking that vision, it sustained his heart. It was a gift from God to Joseph. And that's why he does it. That's why he does it. Now, you may be sitting in this room and just say, man, I have never seen a dream. I have never seen a word from God. I mean, I've read the pages and I understand it. It's all here, but I mean, in, in the spirit realm, I, man, I don't think I've ever seen a thing. Can you picture heaven? Can you picture heaven? Because in, in, the, in the back of the book, God does the ultimate dream. And he says, let me give you a picture. And let that sustain you. Let that sustain you. But until that time, God's got a lot of other plans for us. Because this is a broken world. And he has called us to be the redemptive hand of God to reach it. That's, that's, that's a message of the Bible right there. Because, see, that's what happened to Joseph. Joseph came to realize that his dream wasn't all about him, did he? He realized, whoa, I thought this, I was going to rule over them for me, that there was going to be some kind of joyous, selfish, human, you know, thing that I could just say, ha, 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 because I'm the youngest and I get to rule over you. But when he's looking, he realizes I'm saving them. 
And then he still has a choice, doesn't he? To say yes or no. Send them away because they don't even recognize him. All that bitterness that could have built up in his heart, all of that frustration of failed marriages, kids that turn on us, the world that gave us the middle finger. I mean, all of the things that begin to rise up in our life, then when we have a chance to do something redemptive and we've got the answer in our very hands and we just say, no, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to say a word. No. I'm going to make the world pay. See, Joseph didn't do that. Joseph realized what his purpose was. And he says, guys, I get it. And I forgive you. And they held each other and they cried. For the whole day they cried. That must have been a sight. Seen a bunch of grown men crying like that. Joseph wore eye makeup, you know, as a pharaoh. That must have been running. He must have been a mess, ladies. You know? But there they were. And Joseph took it. He embraced it. And he realized, you know what? I, God, let me go through all of this, guys, so that I could go ahead, so I could go ahead of you and be where I am right now. And they just locked shoulders, and they realized, wow, God is not only sustaining us as individuals, we find out later that God was doing what? He was building a people. And if they're going to build a people, he put them right into the land of Goshen, the most fertile, wonderful place. It was Disneyland on the planet at that time. Just dropped them right in, in the middle of it. Now, and then he said, now, Grow into millions. And then, of course, the rest of the story, you know. But for us, you know, see, without that vision, Joseph probably would have perished. He would have given up. There's no doubt in my mind he would have given up. But God gave him that gift just as he gives us a gift to know that we have a purpose. Number three, God's purposes always prevail. Even if they are delayed by man's unfaithfulness, or the devil's futile attempts to distract us. Man, I love that. God prevails. Don't you love that about God? He is going to prevail in your life. So you're sitting here today and you're thinking, yeah, I've had a lot of... David, Pastor David, you don't know what I've gone through. I probably don't, but after 30 years of living a lot of... And living it myself, but also hearing a lot of stories, I mean, nothing surprises me. You know, you're not going to shock me, believe me. You're just not. But, if you, you, but see, all I want you to say is that, look, at some point, when you finally get that, your own personal aha moment, when you finally embrace it and realize, oh, God wants to use this, then things begin to fire in your soul. But things begin to awaken. It, it's like rockets going off inside you to realize, wow, God wants to use this stuff. Now, it may not have the same kind of impact that Joseph had, but I guarantee you, even if it, it, it helps one person, even if it restores one hope to one soul, it was enough. For you to be able to take what went on in you and just say, for this purpose, God allowed me to go through this. I had my own multicolored coat that got me into some stuff. And God wants to use it for his glory. And again, we can delay that. See, I, I, make, I make allowance for that. Yes, we can slow it down. But I go back to my point here, that God's purposes always prevail. Always prevail. See, you can never checkmate God. Can't checkmate him. And the devil tries to do it. You know, it's almost like the devil and, and God are sitting down and playing a chess game. And, the, and every day, or at some point in history, the devil goes, gotcha. 
gotcha. Get yourself out of that, God. And God's just sitting there. Boom. And the devil's going, what? Matter of fact, if the truth, if, if the truth is this, that 2,000 years ago, Satan made his move and cornered God, the Son of God. He had him pinned down and said, checkmate. And God said, oh, you think so, do you? And then he, that'll preach. Yeah, that's, that's right, Bobby. Good thing I am preaching it, right? But God pulled himself out of it. He had a piece that the devil didn't see. And next thing you know, he turns the table on and says, no, it's checkmate on you. I haven't played a lot of chess, but I know that's the way it works. <laughs> just when you think you got him beat, Dr. Brian, you're just like, what? And you walk from the table, and that's why I don't like playing the game, because it confuses me. And I usually walk away, you know, that way, just kind of like, huh, how did I, what? That's exactly where, where, the, where the devil is right now. Just walking around trying to figure out, how did that work? How do you do that? But for your life, for my life, God has already checkmated the enemy on your behalf. And so really, the enemy, all he can do is just distract us and lie to us and try to slow us down, but he's not going to win. God's purposes always prevail. If you say, Jesus, come into my life, come into my heart, then you've got a purpose, he's got a plan, he's going to use your life in some redemptive way. You've got to get that. So what was Joseph, Joseph's purpose? Well, I've already said it, but Joseph was called to be a savior of the world. A type of Christ is what scholars call it. God gave him position. God gave him power. God gave him provision to carry out this redemptive plan to make it go forward. He's given us the same thing. He's given us the power in the name of Jesus. He's given us position. We are called the sons of God. He's pulled us up out of the muck and the mire. He's placed us high upon a rock. And, 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 and it, I love the image there in uh, Zechariah 3 where we walk up and we've got dung on us is what it says, that we're filled with dung and that dung represents all the stuff of our life and we stand before the Lord and there's the devil saying, look at this jerk, look at him. How could you do anything good for him? And God just says, give him a new robe. Put a ring on his finger, new sandals, a turban, a place of authority a place of God's mercy and goodness to flow through our life. So what can we learn from this today? What can we learn? We can learn and we can take away today that God is active in using his people to carry out his purposes on the earth. He is most certainly active and he's doing it right now. He did it then. He's still doing it, people. He's still doing it. Matter of fact, in a more aggressive way than we probably even ha have ever seen. Number two, that we are his people. And so we can assume that we have a hope in the future. They're out of Jeremiah 29. That includes this very same purpose. It's the same thing, people. It's the same thing. God is going to strategically place you in a neighborhood, in a family, in a school, in a business, 
in a county, in a city, in a nation, to have the salvific, to push forward the salvific plan of God in a redemptive way using your life, using your story. But if you're lost and trying to figure that out, I mean, if this is just kind of a aha moment for you right now, last week I told you, you know what? You, you can start at any given time. I mean, you could have lived your whole life, and when you find that, they, 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 they're just a stagnant, stagnant pause that often does come to the people of God. Happened to Moses. He ran, and he was gone for years before he found the fiery bush. Is this your fiery bush today? Is God calling out from that bush, looking, calling you, saying, look, it's time for us to get to the, to get to the work. What did God do with Moses? Same thing. Moses, it's time for your redemptive plan. It's time for you to go back to Egypt to do what? To lead my people out. It's all there. Story after story after story after story. Same plan, same purpose. God using his people to do it. Isn't that awesome? Number three, God's purpose is always redemptive. Always leading us forward to his best, which includes letting others know how they can experience the position, the power, and the provision. See, it doesn't just stop with us. That comes through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We go back to our story with Joseph. The guys come. Now, watch what happens here. Joseph doesn't just say, hey, now, guys, look, I got this good thing going on here, and I don't need to be you messing it up because you guys are a bunch of uh, stinky farmers and goat herders and stuff like that. Pharaoh doesn't like that around here. So I tell you what, you go back to your land, I'll feed you, you know, everything cool. This drought's going to end here real soon. That's what a lot of us would do. We'd be like, you know, I don't want to mess up my thing going on here. But Joseph didn't do that. What did he do? He said, I want you to bring everybody. Bring them all. That was his hope, and he found God gave him uh, favor with the Pharaoh who said, yeah, bring them. Send them out to Goshen. Give them, give them our best land that we haven't even used yet. Favor from God. Position. That not only went from his life, but to his family's life. What did he do? He shared it. He gave it. He, he, he just said, come on, be a part of it. See, that's what it's all about, too, is us sharing, giving it away. So can you see it? Can you see what I'm talking about here this morning? Can you see what God has placed plainly in his word. And I know, as I look across the room, there are many of you that, that, that are thinking, you're, you're cogitating, as they say, and, and you're processing this information. And a lot of times, I guarantee you, the enemy is going to try to speak to you, especially if you're, you, you've been familiar with his voice lately. But he's going to try to speak to you and say, that's not, that's not you. You can't have that. You've experienced way too much. Buddy, you're way off the chart than what this pastor's talking about today. That's not true. It's a lie. It's a lie from the pit of hell that God can take you. I mean, can I go, can I go back to our story again? There, Joseph is in the prison, okay? He's been falsely accused of taking advantage of his master's wife. What a stain. What a stain. Right there on the, the Egyptian Gazette, front page. You know? Tries to take advantage of Potiphar's wife. Always all the rage, you know, all the talk. 
And there he's sitting in the prison cell realizing, man, this is over for me. But holding on to that dream, holding on to that dream. See, what I want to do is I want to attach you to your redemptive purpose. See, if you've asked Jesus into your life, that's your purpose too. You have a redemptive purpose. Not only for you to be redeemed, because, and, and, and you may be here today and still in Egypt. I mean, you may be stuck there. You may not have a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. I'm going to pray for you in just a second. But if you are a believer and you've been walking with God, but you feel a little stuck, a little disconnected from that redemptive purpose, that God wants to reignite. God wants to re-envision you today. So are you ready? Are you ready? Because look, you got nothing to lose but to stay in that prison cell or to stay in that place of confusion and wondering, is there something better for me? Does God have a plan for my life? God answers it with a resounding yes. So let's stand up this morning. I'm going to take a moment for us to pray. I want to do two things. So if we could just bow our heads and close our eyes. Just patiently wait on God here. See, God is doing something in us. There is a, there's a fresh season that is beginning here at Valley. And you're a part of it. You're going to be swept up in it. God wants to release the dreams. Like they release the dogs of war. God wants to release the dreams of heaven. I almost see them like stallions running, running. They're running past you. And all you have to do is reach out for that rain. Just put your hand on it. God will throw you up on that, 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 that storming rushing thoroughbred the vision of heaven. God wants to fill your heart with it. Oh, I, I see something rise up right now. It's just, is it too much to hope, Pastor David? Is it too much to hope? I've heard this before. Am I too old? Am I, am I too far gone? God says, no. You're my child. My purposes always prevail, says the Lord. And until you close your eyes and breathe your last breath, I've called you to fulfill it. So all across this room right now, I want to pray for you. I want to pray that God would release that purpose that comes from his word right now into your heart. So I want you to just open your hands. Open your heart. Lord, we come to you today. Lord, hungry people. Lord, in some ways, God, wandering, and, and we understand, Lord, the temptation to be depressed. Lord, to look at our lives and, and see its mundaneness and, and that we're lacking, Lord, the, the spark. 
Oh, Lord, we've tried other sparks. Lord, we've, we've, we've tasted of other things, but, Lord, they never last. They, they never satiate. Lord, they don't do what only you can do to give us the delight of our heart, the true, deep, sustainable vision. Lord, we receive it right now. Really what I see is that God right now is, is, is preparing your heart. And it starts with a submission. Can you do that? Just right where you are, just say, God, I submit to you. I surrender to you. Prepare me. There are, there are some of you who are going to get that vision and because you already have it. It's being reignited. God says, I'm refiring it right now. Refire, 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 says the Lord. Then there are others of you that it, it has been that distant dream and you've, you've not known what to make of it. But God says, look, I'm putting you on that path right now. You're being called up. There's a place that is designed for your bringing forth. Just like Joseph, you've got to use your gift. You've got to use your gift. See, that's what happened with Joseph. Joseph was a dreamer. And it was through that same dreaming that God brought him forward. He's going to use your gifts. Lord, I blow on those gifts right now in the name of Jesus. The dust be gone. Bring them forth in the name of Jesus. Serving in simple ways, redemptive ways. A handshake, a look, a hug. A faithful gesture. Standing in the gap through prayer, interceding. Walking into a neighborhood when fear fills our heart, but yet, God, you use us as a spark to stand up for what's right in the middle of darkness, to be maybe even the only light that's at school, that's at a workplace. Redemptive. Bring it forth today in Jesus' name, Lord. We surrender and submit to you. Uh, finally, with all of our heads bowed, continued, eyes closed. If you're here today and you've never asked Jesus Christ into your life, or maybe you've, you, you thought you did, but you have not experienced a life of redemption, I want to pray for you, but I want you to do something. It's going to take a little bit of boldness, okay? We're all here together. But if you're in this room today and you'd like to give your life to Jesus Christ right now, then just raise your hand up. You don't want to leave before having done it. Because God wants to release something in your life. Anyone at all. Okay. So Lord, we're all family here. So Lord, as we leave, may you fill our hearts, God, with renewed hope renewed hope. I want to pray one last thing. Lord, I want to break and pray over that darkness that, Lord, would try to hang over the lives of your people. Lord, that like a deep, deep, thick cloud cover that begins to, to burn and because of the sun of the brightness of the King of Kings, that, Lord, it begins to break up and dissolve. Lord, let that darkness dissolve right now <clears throat> and let the light of God's Spirit shine through. That brings hope, brings joy the, to warm us up, pushing away all darkness, 
all hopelessness be gone in Jesus' name today. Lord, begin the revolution. Begin it right now. In Jesus' name.